Welcome to the Bippity Boppity Bankrolls podcast. My name is Alexis Boyette, and I am a motivational speaker, business strategist, and former nationwide CEO. I am here to help you uplevel your mindset, your magic, and your money through personal evolution and intuitive alignment. So if you are looking to live a happier, more abundant, more fulfilled life, you are in the right place. My goal in this podcast is to inspire you to transcend your limitations and become the next best version of yourself. I know you will get so much value from this podcast, so thank you for pushing play today. Now let's dive in. Hello, magic makers from around the world, and welcome back to the Bippity Boppity Bankrolls podcast. I am so honored to have Kaz, the queen of glitter, here with me today to share her story in the industry of magic. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. So tell me about how you got started in princessing. Have you always been into cosplay? Yeah. So, you know, I very distinctly remember when I was in high school, there was this face painter who came to our school for like our big senior grad night night. And she mentioned that she did princess parties. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to do that one day. And at the time I didn't have a car because I was like in high school and I actually, I think I didn't have my license at the point either. I was a late bloomer. So she was like, oh, you need a car. Like, well, I guess that dream's dead. And then many years later, um, pretty much, I guess it was right after I graduated from college, I found like on backstage, like a princess company that was advertising for performers. And so I applied and got a job and just was kind of really excited to be able to perform as like the characters that I'd always loved. Um, and so I worked at that company up until COVID happened. And then obviously that kind of put a damper in our work, obviously not many parties happening. Um, and then one of my friends I used to work with at that past company, she uh, started working in a new company and was like, oh, this lady's amazing. So I work for her now, Lexi's Little Princesses and um, love it. But it was definitely always a dream, I think, as I guess I developed in high school, like, oh, I would love to one day be like a party princess. And then I actually ended up being able to do that when I was older, which is so funny. Um, And then cosplay, I mean, I just, I've always loved costumes my entire life. I was always like had a costume box and my mom would like buy things at the thrift store and just like put in these like giant dresses for me and dressing up. And I used to do dance, which I'm a very bad dancer, but I loved the dance costumes. So I would keep every dance costume and use that when my friends would come over. So I've always just felt like this innate attraction to like sparkly things. And like, um, obviously I'm an actress too. So I love, you know, characters. And when those two things come together, it's costumes. And so I think I was always kind of nervous to try and get into cosplay because I'm not the world's best sewer. And there's a lot of very like intense skills that you have to learn that are very difficult. I'm still not the, a, a very good sewer. Um, there are very few costumes that I've truly sewed from top to bottom. And most of them took me multiple times to actually <laughs> do it correctly. But yeah, I think that's just something that has always been in my heart. And I, I truly love it. It's so fun. And it brings joy to people, which is kind of my philosophy of like, what's the impact that I want to leave on the planet is I'd love to bring some sort of positivity to it, you know? That's so beautiful. So I've actually never spoken with someone on the podcast about 
the passion for costuming. So I think that that's so incredible that you've had that passion. Now, as like your main focus in life, obviously what you want to focus on making a positive impact and, and making this world a better place than it was whenever you came into it. How do you manage costuming, princess performing, acting, and all of your various skill sets in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely hard. I'm very busy. I also work two other jobs as well. So I'm kind of constantly working 24-7. Um, but I, I had to kind of learn how to do things quickly and efficiently. So I used to work for Snapchat for, I worked for them for two years and every day I had to post two videos and learning how to make short form content in batches and um, make it good uh, really took, it was a little bit of a learning curve at first, but I got very good at doing that. So now I can kind of, you know, get all my content for a week done in a day. I know how to like, okay, if I'm gonna be working a party, let me get some videos in the princess dress, you know, when I get back or before I leave. Because a lot of the time I'm going right from work for different clients, helping them with their social media, like um, during the day of the week. Um, any days I have off, I'm usually filming content and editing. And then I work at a bar Thursday through Sunday night and then princess parties during the day. Sometimes I have to walk into the restaurant dressed as like Belle and like change in the bathroom. And the customers are all these are like, did we just like, yeah, he did. Yes. <laughs> Bell just was our bartender. <laughs> That's amazing though. That's incredible. So you juggle a lot. You wear a lot of hats. How do you fit being able to do cosplay and costuming in there? Would you consider cosplay and costuming like a hobby or would you consider that like a trade or a craft that you're trying to further advance? Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely started as a hobby. It's probably the thing that I love the most, that and like acting. And um, I'd love to find a way to really make enough money doing it so that I could just do that and, you know, get, yeah, get better. And I, every year I try to get better at like sewing skills and like about to make my first set of like foam armor um, right before Comic-Con. So like, that's a skill that I've been wanting to learn for a long time, but Again, like it just takes a lot of time and I don't have a lot of that, but it's definitely just filling in the blanks. Like if I'm at home, I'm if I'm going to watch TV, I'm going to also be crafting, you know, working on something. Yeah, well, let's because that's my passion is obviously helping people make money at, at what it is that they love to do. So let's talk a little bit about your passion for cosplay. Do you know people that make a full time living off of cosplay? I don't know if I know anyone who fully makes their full um living from it i do i am like mutuals with some people who i think i know make a lot more money from doing it there's a couple of different like you know you could always get more into tutorials with youtube which i used to do youtube very consistently like pretty much before i grew on any other platform but i realized the amount of time that it takes to edit those videos and i was getting very little views so i wasn't really like progressing with that. Um, so now I'm probably going to dive back into YouTube now that I have a little bit more, um, you know, follower account on other platforms, I can kind of help my YouTube get, you know, a little more uh, action. And it's actually grown a little bit without me posting the video like in a year. And then I know people have Patreons and things like that. So 
And then obviously working with brands and I have worked with brands in the past. I just feel like sometimes my thing is I always want to be as genuine as possible. So I have a lot of brands that really have nothing to do with who I am or like what I would promote, like places like, you know, like Kimu and like fast fashion. I'm like, I have no interest in promoting that because I morally disagree with it. So um, that makes it a little bit more difficult to like, I think, find brands that resonate with me and also with I think my followers would want to see. So I'm definitely working on that. Right. And then also the same in regards to the costuming, right? Like you have this really big passion for costumes. Or do you ever see yourself taking that further as far as not necessarily making costumes for other people, but have you considered, because obviously I work with people who have character entertainment companies all around the world. There's many of us, me included, when I did have my character entertainment company that I was running, there's many of us that want to have our own versions of costumes for characters that we want to make special and unique. But let's say we don't, we're not really skilled at costuming or we don't have a passion for costuming or we don't know how to thrift or to buy things. And like, there's so many of us that just go on really expend like Angel Secret and places like that mm -hmm. to buy costumes. Um, and that's fine. But obviously some of those costumes end up costing $500, $1,000, $2,000 and not all of them last, you know, sometimes they can break and that's fine. That's to be expected with wear and tear. But it's like, if you can teach someone how to put together a costume for a specific character and what pieces to buy to, in order to put that costume together, like where they could find those pieces and you could make tutorials on that or even just do a private consult with company owners to help them put together all of their costumes for their company in a unique way that's that's more to their vision rather than to copying someone else's work. I think that would be a really potential avenue for you to really show your skill set as a as someone that is passionate about costuming and also passionate about characters, but that also wants to help people be more conscientious of the impact that they're making in the world and more conscientious of their footprint, their carbon footprint and where they're purchasing supplies and materials from and to ensure that they, they do have the ability to reuse or recycle and that they feel good about their costuming, that they don't necessarily have to outsource to China or to one of those big box stores in order to find a quality costume that they themselves can make it using local stores and local thrifting. And I think that would be an incredible resource that really isn't provided in our industry. Yeah, you know, it's funny you bring this up because I actually had a, a new follower like send me a message the other day being like, hi, I'm new, I love Ariel. She's always been my favorite. And I wanted to know like how you put together like your Ariel kiss the girl look because I've always wanted to do that. And I've never been able to figure out where like party princesses or professional princesses get their costumes from. And, you know, I kind of broke it down a little bit of like, well, you know, usually I thrift all the pieces, especially for like, um, like the more maiden looks of princesses. Like that has, you know, there's so, it's so easy to um, take the outfits that have just really, there's one structural piece in the corset, you know, and that's gonna be the item that's maybe the most difficult to find. You can definitely find it. Um, you can always order from like small Etsy shops that will make a more custom like shape. And then you can, you know, support a, a small business, you know, um, you can learn to make the corset yourself. So yeah, and I kind of was like, oh, maybe I should make a video talking about where I do like actually source my pieces from most of the time and 
kind of how to look for the right sort of items in order to make your own kind of like, you know, cottagecore princess vibe and get it as screen accurate or whatever, you know, kind of style you want. So that's a really interesting concept. It definitely gets more difficult when you get into like the nicer dresses and finding the right pieces in order to kind of like give that feeling. But definitely that's very interesting to consider. Yeah, because it's like, if you notice all the newer Disney, the remakes, right? The, the new live actions, none of the princesses are wearing, for the most part, none of them are wearing intricate gowns. They're all wearing period pieces. They're all wearing things that you could probably source locally that you wouldn't have to order from China or from like a really elaborate designer, you know? And it's like, yes, the classics are beautiful and the ball gowns are beautiful and there's a time and place for them. But when it comes to the majority of us that are performing at birthday parties and face painting and doing all these tasks where our costumes are getting constant wear and tear, you know, it would be more feasible and more financially affordable and reasonable to have outfits that allow not only the princess to move around, but also still capture that character integrity to where they're not so worried about constantly getting the dress dirty or having a kid step on your train or, you know, getting face paint on the gown or something like that. Because, you know, there's not many princess party companies out there that go out in thousand dollar gowns because to face it, you know, the parents don't really want you to come to their kid's party with a thousand dollar gown because they know the kids are going to destroy it, you know? So like I said, for events and for specific occasions, I know many princess party company owners that have really expensive gowns that only wear them for cosplay and do not wear them at parties. So especially with, you know, the new Little Mermaid, even the new Beauty and the Beast and things like that, it's like you can take the village dress or you can take the yellow dress or you can take the new Ariel dress and you can make it custom. I mean, I know for me, when I did Ariel in Hawaii, I did my own variation of her. So I actually didn't copy the movie other than the color scheme. So I took a green, uh, like it was a high-waisted green flowy dress that covered her feet. And then I took a purple halter top and I bought this like starfish, really pretty brooch. And I put it between the breasts on the halter top. And that like, the, and I got her a little seashell crown and the mm -hmm. kids were crazy for it. They're like, that's Ariel. I love your dress. I love your outfit. None of them were like, that's not Ariel. You know what I mean? So it's just about being able to put your own spin on it and put your own creativity on it. But when it when it came to the different characters, I really didn't have that inspiration or that creativity. It was just like I could put together Ariel, but when it came to Cinderella or Belle or anything like that, I just bought from China. And usually many of us start out with those really cheap, flimsy zipper dresses that fall apart and they don't end up lasting. Yes, they're pretty, but it's like, I feel like with the way that the world is going, especially having gone through COVID, when we went through a period where many of us couldn't even order things from China, uh, I think that there would be a very big market for teaching people that want to do their own versions of costumes, how to make those costumes, upkeep them and purchase them in a way that's more feasible for them, but also helps them to, like we talked about, reduce your carbon footprint and to support fellow local businesses, because that's what we want people to do for us. We want people to support our local businesses. So it only makes sense that we should stop outsourcing to all the big, you know, princess party company suppliers and start being more organic and being more heartfelt with it. And that's something that we can share with the parents too, you know, that, that we are mindful of that and that we do, you know, um, we are mindful of where we're getting our costumes, not necessarily about the price, but about, 
the impact and about making sure that we're doing things in a way that makes this world a better place rather than just buying what is the most expensive. Yeah, I love that so much. And I also like <laughs> talking about the wear and tear on these costumes. It is really is crazy. And like, I don't think that a lot of people like understand like everything that we do go through when we're at a party and like like i try not to wear like my own costumes out like sometimes when i do after my own costumes to parties like i definitely will get paid like a little bit more because it's so true that like these you know like my elsa spent I, she's from angel secret four hundred dollars you know like and that costume is she's seen better days at this point she's been wearing to many, many birthday parties so um yeah, I think that that is such a wonderful idea. And also like being able to interpret a character in kind of like a new and interesting way and in how you see it, like that's such a side of like cosplay that I love. And I mean, it's really almost kind of like Disney bounding, which is um, for anyone who doesn't know that, it's basically where you take a Disney character and you create an outfit inspired by them, whether it's in style or color scheme, um, and it was created because people wanted to dress like their favorite characters of the parks, but you're not allowed to dress up in full costume if you're over the age of 14 for obvious reasons that would be very confusing to children. So I, and I love doing that. I look at a dress and I like see, like I looked at this and I was like, Cinderella. And I was like, it shall be mine. And I bought it, <laughs> you know? So I think that would be really wonderful for people to be able to kind of put their own creativity and spin on classic characters because I personally, I always love seeing new interpretations. Like one of my favorite types of cosplay is like mashups or stuff like that. Like I love seeing characters in kind of like imagined in new, new different ways. So, and also thinking about like what the experience is like at birthday parties. I think a lot of parents would respond very well to kind of a more unique version of a character and you know, everyone always sees photos of it beforehand. So it's like, if that's not what they wanted, then they can, you know, <laughs> I don't know, request something different or use a more, you know, traditional company. But I think that would be really cool to see people doing. I completely agree with you. I think that'd be such a, such a new and modern take on having a character entertainment company and, and how you perform these performances. Cause it's like, yes, we always teach the ethics and the values, but I think it goes more than that. Whenever you have someone come to a party not dressed in what it was like in the cartoon um, and to have be like, you know, I do own more than one outfit and this is why I have this outfit and this is who made it and this is the pieces from it and this is where I got it from because then you can even open up a broader story with the kids depending on what outfit you choose to wear. Yeah, totally. And um, <clears throat> also most of the characters do have you know, multiple outfits in their films. And specifically the peasant dresses are very easy to make or, you know, interpret like, and very and much more comfortable too. Like. <laughs> yes, girl, in summertime, you wear those petticoats and hoop skirts, just the sweat, just, just dripping down your legs. <laughs> I literally, I just did this aerial party and it's so funny. The mom is supposed to be in tail and seashells and the mom texted a few days before being like, oh, also, um, could you come in a princess dress? She's worried that if you show up in your tail, you're gonna die. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> She's gonna like start splashing water on you while you're performing. <laughs> yeah, she was a very interesting child, but she was very, she was very funny. Um, 
but I was then in the giant ball gown and the mom was like, I'm so sorry. Cause it was super hot. And I definitely had the sweat dripping down the legs moment, which I will say my solution to that is normally to wear pantyhose because most of the time the pantyhose will just keep it. You won't even feel it because the pantyhose just keeps it contained. And then when, especially like underneath the ball gowns. That's so important. I've had, I remember one time I had a kid, I had a kid, I was wearing, I didn't really pay attention to my undergarments, right? Cause this is my first year princessing. I didn't really, I didn't expect the children to like run underneath your ball gown. And I was Cinderella once and this little boy, <laughs> it was in Hawaii. So it was very hot. Okay. You got this wig on, you got the wig cap on the everything, all the layers, the gloves, everything. Okay. And this little, um, I don't remember if it was a little girl or boy, but one of them like rainbow parachuted themselves underneath my Cinderella dress, like just went woof, woof, under it. Right. And they were like, Cinderella, I like your panties. And I was like, oh, thank you. And then he came out from under me and was like, why do they have blue guitars on them? <laughs> and I was just like, so who wants to do face painting? <laughs> Someone said something over there. I think we should all... <laughs> Go in that direction. Um, Cinderella likes to rock. <laughs> so blue is my favorite color. Yeah, totally. Like, whoo, uh, you know, kids say the darndest things. It was a great experience. So funny. But I learned, I was like, okay, from now on, if the kids rainbow parachute themselves underneath my dress, I need to be wearing like full butt panties, something normal, you know, because in Hawaii, yep. it's like, we're not gonna wear layers underneath. We're not gonna do that. It's too hot. Like we're already on the verge of passing out. But I would wear like Ariel's village dress all the time. And the parents loved it. Like they were like, yeah, if that's more comfortable, wear that. We don't care. Like it's fine. So whenever you live in those hotter climates and it's not winter, it's nice to have options and, and to also just have winter and summer options. I know that many of us uh, especially the ones of us that live in colder locations, we will try to winterize our summer dresses so we'll like try to put layers on underneath and we'll wear a cape with it and everything but it's like if we could have a winter option like just a winter option of that of that type of outfit for that specific character and a summer option and a spring option and have multiple variations for parents to see and choose from depending on the weather and where the party is and if you're inside or outside that would be amazing and that's something that really none of us are doing you know so i think that adding that value to our character entertainment companies could be incredible. Yeah, that would be very nice. Cause especially <laughs> it's either you're freezing as Elsa in the winter, but you have to pretend that you're not cold or you get stuck in Anna's winter outfit in the dead of summer. And you're like, why am I wearing a hat and gloves and long sleeves and a cape? This is horrible. <laughs> yep, and boots. And, <laughs> and boots. <laughs> Oh, so, so fun. Advent adventures in princessing. <laughs> so that's amazing. So actually, whenever we get done recording this podcast today, I'd like to keep you on and talk with you separately about potentially bringing you on the Bippity platform as an expert to be able to provide your services to some of the people that are currently involved in the platform. Because I do have uh, one of my students is a professional vocal coach, and she's incredible, uh, Casey. And then I also have in character with Carly, who specializes in performance training, and she is amazing. And so I would love to be also able to provide an expert in costuming. And I feel like you are the right princess for the job. So we're going to talk more <laughs> about that later. Um, but before we wrap things up today, I'd like to just talk about who your favorite princess was growing up and why and what it means to you to be a princess performer. Okay. So there's definitely a couple that kind of mo moved with me as I grew up. 
my first favorite princess was Cinderella. And I just loved the magic of that movie. I loved the idea of taking a wand and making a beautiful ball gown so you can then obsess the dress. And I love the message of be kind because no matter what she went through, she really was always just kind to people and animals and really deeply resonated with me. But I think more than anything, just the, the idea of the magic behind that story. And then as I got a little bit older, I found Beauty and the Beast, which I had never seen when I was like 12. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm Belle. I have brown hair too. And I read books <laughs> and then that was us. Like we are the same, I love her. The dress that's like, I can't believe it's not butter is amazing. And then I got a little bit older and I loved Ariel because I was like, I really wish I had red hair and I love mermaids. And she's like kind of quirky and weird and I'm quirky and weird. And then a little bit older, I was like, I love Tiana. She's so hardworking. And like, she she goes for what she wants in her dream. And I love that about her. And then I got to where I am now. And I kind of realized at my older age that I love Cinderella the most again, because it reminds me of when I was a child and I believed in magic. And I think part of why I love princessing so much is we get to come into these children's lives and show them that like magic is real and like your favorite character is here and it's so it's so special to like be there for big life moments not just only of children too sometimes we get hired for like very strange things like i had to sing for a oh god it, it was interesting because she didn't know who i was i was giselle from enchanted and i had to like sing for uh like a bachelorette party basically her fiance like hired us to go in and sing her sing her a song but even just that, like being able to be a part of people's important life moments and to, you know, represent something so just magical and fun and special really means the world to me. And because I'm someone who I still really believe in magic, you know, and I want to be able to share that with, you know, adults too, you know, but um, it really is special when, you know, the kids like look at you and, are seeing something so, yeah, just so special. And I think it is life-changing. I think that we are creating like memories that will last a lifetime. Cause I can't even imagine if I got to have Cinderella come to my birthday party. Oh my gosh, that would have been incredible. Yeah, it's just, it's really, it's really something so special. Even though there's like so many sides of it that are very exhausting and difficult and crazy. At the end of the day, it really is, it's really is amazing to be able to be that for children. Yeah, I completely agree with you because it's, I, I would have had the same thing as a child, you know, and I, I always say the story, like when I was little, I did love, I loved Jasmine. I loved Ariel. I loved the defiant princesses. They were my favorite. Like I loved mm. the very defiant ones. Pocahontas, she was my main girl, still is. Got her tattooed on my arm. Pocahontas, Jasmine and Ariel and Belle. Belle was also defiant to a degree, but it's so funny because I remember going to Disney World and I remember being so excited to go in Ariel's Grotto and meet Ariel. And I went in there and I sat on her little rock and she signed my little paper and she asked me my name and she said, hello. And I thought it was so exciting and so magical. And then they were like, okay, next. And I remember exiting out the back of the grotto and I remember going up to my grandmother and my grandmother was like, oh my gosh, how was it? You met Ariel. And I was like, yeah, it was cool. She asked me my name and she signed the paper and she was like, oh, isn't that exciting? And I was like, 
well, it wasn't exactly the experience I was expecting. I was like, you know, like I was expecting her to like give me a pep talk and like tell me all about her sea creature friends and like update me on her life story. And so I think that the fact that we go to these houses and we spend quality time, not just a picture, not just a photo opportunity and an autograph signing, but the fact that we spend quality time with these kids. And usually many of us initiate the children into some sort of princess or superhero uh, ceremony. And so that itself is so powerful because it's like, we're not just there to take pictures and meet them. We're there to truly make an impact. And I believe that these experiences not only for us but also for our performers the people that work in our companies and for the children it leaves a life lasting impact it makes the generations to come so much more stronger and to believe in themselves and you're right to believe in magic and to keep that going and to keep the inspiration and keep our inner child alive you know and that's so important to absolutely everything that we do in business and life and relationships and everything is just keeping that inner child alive because that's where we find our happiness. And so the fact that we get to be a part of that as princesses is the most magical experience. So thank you for being a part of this industry. Thank you for bringing your heart and your soul to it and your light and for believing in magic and for encouraging others to do the same. I sincerely appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you so much for talking to me today. This was so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, girl. You are welcome on the Bibbidi Podcast. Anytime. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Well, um, before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to say to fellow princesses or company owners around the world that might be listening in? What I would like to say is you're all amazing. Thank you for your service. People sometimes don't understand all it is that we do and what we really go through, the driving, changing costumes in the car and, you know, all the the supplies that you have to carry and all this stuff in order to really make these magical moments. So thank you for being amazing. You are amazing. You got this. Even when it's hard, just know that you are truly making an impact on children's lives and the world is better for it. Thank you so much, Kaz. I appreciate you for coming on the podcast today and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by visiting me on Instagram at bippity-boppity-bankrolls or visit me on my website at bippity-boppity-bankrolls.com. I love and I adore you and I can't wait to connect with you on the next episode. Have a magical day.